When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Fish Bites, the Miami Herald's Miami Marlins podcast. I'm Jordan McPherson. He's Andre Fernandez. And Dre, to quote an old boys man, boys to men, we've come to the end of the road. Yes, we have. And I was going to go even further. I'm glad you, you took it to, to boys to men because I, when you wrote to me, the end, the end is here. I was like, I had Sinatra going in my head, but but that's good. You brought it a little, little closer to the present. Not, not completely close to the present, but closer. Yeah. Yep, and what a season it's been. However you want to interpret <laughs> what a that, everyone. Not however, been. What are you however you want to interpret that, everyone. <laughs> what a season, season it's is... not been. Oh, man. I mean, eventful to a point, but yeah. I yep. mean, Remember not, back... all I'm saying is they better not cling to the fact that it's one win better than last year. No, they better not. Again, yeah, at this point, the Mar- the worst the Marlins can do is 94 losses with two games left at the time of this recording. But remember back in right around July 4th when this team was one game under 500? Pepperidge Farm remembers. Good times. Good, good <laughs> times. Yeah, but on a series, now let's get into where everything is. And again, we know the Marlins playoffs, so they've been done for a while now. But this last week, they've made an impact on the playoff race itself, even though they have basically zero, zero impact or zero, zero caught, zero fight in the race. Look at what they did this last road trip. They split with New York, losing the second game in extra innings by one run. They took three of four against the Milwaukee Brewers, who went from being just outside, just behind the Philadelphia Phillies for the final wild card spot to them being eliminated and the Marlins' three wins essentially clinching the playoffs for the Padres and the Phillies. And now with this last series, with the Mets and the Braves still fighting for the for the NL East and the first-round bye, especially after Atlanta with a hell of a week weekend sweep of the, of the Mets to, take, to jump back in the first, Braves only need one win or one Mets loss to take the East. Marlins took game one against the Braves for nothing. Mets game got postponed. So as of the time of this recording, the Marlins still technically have us have can help with the say in who wins the NL East over these final two games. Well, they have to make it up to all those Mets fans that they sent that desperation plea out to show up at the ballpark, right? I mean, they got to. Oh, yeah. that's, that's the least they could do if they're getting the, if they're going up to New York and winning those two and getting them all riled up. I mean, it would be funny. It would it would definitely be funny and pretty, you know, if they were to pull something like this off. But I have a funny feeling that uh later and later today, meaning meaning Tuesday, you might hear a roar from the right hand side of the uh of the dugout of the dugout area. From the right hand side of the stadium, I'm sorry, from the visiting yeah, first, dugout first area. First base side. Like around maybe around the second, third inning around there. You know, if the Washington Nationals decide to become an irritant themselves. You know, yeah, and you, might, yeah. you might hear a pretty excited visiting dugout 
today around the second or third inning. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, with the Mets Nationals game on Monday being postponed, Mets and Nationals are playing a doubleheader. First game starting at four o'clock. And with that, if the Nationals do beat the Mets, then the Braves have the division locked up regardless of what happens in Miami. So Miami game starts at about 6.40. So we will have probably an idea of whether or not everything will be decided by the second inning or if things will be continuing on. But to look through that, we've got a couple games left. Uh, this last week, the Marlins have shown basically what, they were hoping to show all season, but again, the whole too little, too late, which we happen to see a lot lately. But one highlight, which we've highlighted all season, starting rotation, their final turn, been pretty incredible. I mean, you look at uh, Sandy Alcantara, obviously he's been Sandy Alcantara all year. Eight, eight innings, one run, albeit a 1-0 loss, the only loss the Marlins had in Milwaukee all last weekend because Corbin Burns was eight shutout innings. But Sandy, eight eight innings, one run. Because the Marlins didn't have to pitch in the ninth, it was his sixth complete game. Uh, You look at the rest of the rotation. Pablo Lopez, who made every schedule start this year, which was his goal, he throws seven seven strong innings, seven shutout innings. Jesus Lazardo last night, six shutout innings. Edward Cabrera had three no-hit innings before leaving with an ankle injury, second time he injured his ankle in as many starts. But to see this group, and again, we've talked about the starting rotation being their strength all year, but to see them through an entire turn, and then Braxton Garrett goes on Tuesday, but to see them through their entire final turn to do this, it just gives another reminder of, A, what the Marlins are building around, and B, Marlins probably have some pre- have some, some pretty good trade chips going to the offseason to get to their greater goal with going out on these high notes like this. I mean, Pablo, we've talked about the fact that, A, he needed to finish the season strong if they didn't trade him, which, again, when they didn't trade him, and he did. His last four starts were all anywhere from six to seven innings. Gave up no – I think he gave up two runs or fewer in three of those four. Jesus Lazardo was at least six innings in, I believe, his last four or five starts. Uh, Trevor Rogers, obviously, the health injury – the health in the down season – Hurts his value, but he's still a lefty with four years of team control and showed what he's able to do last year. And eventually the Marlins got to make a decision when they have basically seven arms for five spots, plus guys in the wings. So this last week is kind of could work to the Marlins' benefit on that front at some point down the road. Yeah, it's what you hope to see if you're them. You hope that they've increased their stock a little bit more in some of these cases, but I would say like they're they're none of them are like home runs as far as like incredible trade ships. No, they decent ones. Their starting pitching is always something that teams are looking for, obviously. So yes, but there are still a lot of guys that in in a lot in pretty much every case that you mentioned that have some question marks. I mean, Paulo with his injury history is still, you know, teams are still going to look at the 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 complete package, not just what he's done lately. Lozardo. It's better now because of what he's done. It would have been probably uh, no, no chance at all before, but what he's done this year has at least put him back in the conversation. But again, is it a, is it a guarantee you're going to get something great for him? Not necessarily, because I think teams would want to see that more consistently from him. And of course, he's got his own injury history as well. So yes, it's a little better going into the offseason if you're thinking in those terms of maybe if he had to deal one of those guys. 
but you know, your 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 guaranteed get for anything would still be the man who's in contention for the Cy Young, which is obviously the one you don't want to move, the one you want to build around. So that's kind of the dilemma that they're in, where they're going to have to see what they can possibly get for a lot of these guys. And I'm not saying you can't get anything, but I'm not, but at the same time, it's not one of these high end. Neither none of them are one of these high end arms that someone will be out there saying, okay, this guy's in major demand to, to, you know, that they're going to get incredible value for, you know, get what I'm saying? Like that's something where, yes, it's improved a little bit in, you know, to certain degrees, depending on which, on, on which player. And you hope that they can get something for each for, you know, for them. But again, that's, that's, I think big picture of the dilemma this franchise has, they just don't have those, guaranteed you know in demand uh trade chips i guess you could say to really really make the moves that can drastically get this team to where it wants to get to yeah and since you mentioned him uh sandy season's officially done he's not making his wednesday start much to the chagrin of many mets fans hoping that this nl east race goes down to the final day uh but with his numbers officially locked up, let's talk a Cy Young case. Uh, MLB leading 228 and two-thirds innings. First time anyone in MLB has thrown more than 228 and a third innings since David Price threw 230 in 2016. Also, eight and two-thirds innings shy of the Marlins single-season franchise record. Throw that out there. Kevin Brown, 237 and a third in 1997. 228 ERA behind only Julio Urias, who has a 2.17 at the time of this podcast, who's only thrown 170 innings in two fewer starts than Sandy. 207 strikeouts, which makes him the first player in Marlins franchise history ever to have multiple 200 inning, 200 strikeout seasons, and just the first to do to have 200, 200 in back to back seasons, period since Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, and Jacob deGrom did so in 2018 and 2019. Six complete games, which is, I believe, at the time of that I wrote his final start, there were 35 total complete games in baseball this year. Sandy threw six of them alone. Go ahead, um, Andre. All those, all those guys you just mentioned, Yeah. common thread? Yeah. They've won one before. Yes, they have. Yes, they have. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, fin- fin- yeah. finish finish the resume. I'm just gonna. Yeah. My answer is gonna be very simple. Yeah, no, my answer is too. I'm just. I I want to <laughs> lead everybody to the answer that we all know is inevitable. Go ahead. Yeah, but yeah, six of MLB's 35 complete games have come from Sandy Alcantara's right arm, 17.1 percent from one pitcher, with four of those coming against teams who were in the playoff hunt: the Braves, the Cardinals, the Dodgers, and the Brewers. The other two were against the Reds, a complete game, a shutout, and the Nationals. And he also had another nine-inning game against the Nationals that wasn't a complete game. Yeah. Also in the top 10 among the National League with a 0.98 whip, 212 batting average against, 0.63 home runs allowed per nine innings, and 4.14 strikeouts per walk. And with more than half of his innings coming against teams who are either in the playoffs or were in the playoff hunt when he faced them. Yeah, I don't think I need to say anything else. Give him the damn Cy Young. Case closed. Um- No, but yeah, I mean, yeah, case closed. I don't have to say anything else. I mean, 
to me, he got it with all the, I mean, look at the, look at the endurance, look at the way he's done it against the competition. He's done it and doing it on this team yeah, and doing it on this team. Everybody else is doing it on playoff teams or world series contenders. He's doing it on this team. He's the, you know, he's like the, the all, the all County team when it's full of um, central and Northwestern. And then you're like, Wait, how did um you know, not to I'm gonna, I'm gonna piss off whoever if someone's listening to it from from that high school. I'm saying like, you know, I don't know Reagan High. Why is this guy? Because he had like two thousand yards, and then he's like the player of the year. It's like that you know that there's always that one guy who has an incredible year and he's undeniable even if he's on like a bad team. Yeah, yeah. No, there's no. Urias has had a great year. He's part of that that great rotation for LA. But he hasn't done the kind of things that that Sandy has. To, to it, complete games are, you know, virtually extinct these days. Like you don't see them anymore that much, hardly ever. And he has six of them. Yeah, I mean, there's something guy, to be said first about guy since Chris Sale in 2016 to have at least six. Yeah, and throw out the numbers. I think there's something to be said about when you go out there, and on this team where. You go out there and you and you keep it going and you continue to pitch at an excellent level like he has, knowing you're not going to get the run support. Pretty much knowing. Because night in and night out, this team wasn't scoring. There were there were big patches this year where it was like that. Where how many one nothing losses? I mean, he had one again the other night. Yeah. Even now that even now that they're on a bit of a hot streak at the plate. But it's like that there's something to be said by that continuing to go. How many pitchers do you see sometimes where that takes a toll after a while, even though they won't admit it and they won't, obviously they don't want to like, you know, crap on their teammates, but it takes a toll mentally and and no, and he's kept on, he's kept on. I mean, I I think it's, you know, the all-star starting thing was uh, people made a stink over, but I get, I understood that you were in LA and all that stuff, but now this would be an injustice. I think if he doesn't get it. Yeah. And speaking of the lack of run support, that was one of the, Things got to talk with Mel Stoudemire Jr. on Saturday on Saturday after they decided to shut Sandy down and not make his final start. And just one of his his main sum summing up of Sandy, the direct quote, and it's gonna be a little bit of a long quote because love Mel Stoudemire, he's very thoughtful and detailed. Uh I'm so proud of who he's become. I've had a ringside seat. I've watched that work, that detailed, relentless work that he's putting in to be great. He's paid the ultimate sacrifice, and I can say this for all the starters. They've learned how to pitch with the pressure of knowing, I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say this, there's probably not going to be a lot of runs. That's who we are. We play in a big ballpark. We have to pitch. We have to play defense. And so every pitch from our starters from the first pitch on means something. They know what it's like to pitch in tough games. That's important. They've learned that. Big park, bad lineup at a lot of points this year. I mean, yeah, Mel, even Mel cut it short right there of saying, going all the way and saying how, how much it was against them. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like, you do that on this team, that alone is something. I mean, forget about, you know, even even before you, you dive into all the numbers you, you threw out there a minute ago. I mean, that's, to me, he's, there's no, I, 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 it would shock me if he doesn't. Agreed. Completely agreed. And now to, quickly transition to what's next for us again season ends wednesday but pretty sure starting thursday the real work's going to begin uh yep. again for 
the podcast purpose of the podcast, we're not going to most likely not going to be doing every week during the off season. When there's news, when there's enough to warrant a full episode, we'll do podcasts. So probably every other every other week. Sometimes you'll be sometimes you'll be two weeks off, but we will be on just a little bit more sporadic than during the season when we have topics to talk about every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with that said, going to be a busy off season. We all know yeah. that. There's, I mean, yeah, yeah, there's we got the managerial search. I was gonna say the managerial sure. search right off the bat begins. I mean, we already know, you know, that's why and that's another thing we didn't mention so far in this episode. But you know, Donnie baseball no, no longer, you know, two more games. And like we said before in a previous one, wish him the best and whatever happens, comes next for him. No, but no, yeah, no. we know he we know he's not gonna be there. So who who get who takes this job? Because whoever takes this job has some has a I mean, he's he's going into a he's going into a situation. Let's just put it that way, where this team really needs to make some strides, needs to take some big strides, and really do them this time properly, because they're already way behind where they wanted to be at this point in in this process. I mean, they've had teams that were were further behind than they were, leapfrog them, and and now I mean, I mean, with the one that sticks out. Big time to me is the Orioles. How they were they, they fell just short of the playoffs. Season. Winning record yeah. this season. Winning record. I know. I mean, they fell just short of the playoffs. But look at the leap they took. I mean, now they have something to build on. Where who knows? Even in that low and and in that loaded division where three teams are making the playoffs. So I mean, that's just one example. But I don't know. I really don't. I, the hunch is probably this is someone that's probably going to be you know, jumping at the chance to, to have their first managerial job in, in the major leagues. And, you know, hopefully it's someone that, you know, they that looks like, you know, the the up-and-coming coach that deserves a shot to maybe do something. But again, that, and, and then that not to get too far on a rant, but, you know, check out our previous episodes where we ranted plenty about how that job itself has a has changed dramatically from, from being someone that calls the, sh- that truly calls the shots in the dugout to more of just a, you know the raw raw guy and 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 team morale guy. Yep. Yeah. So we have that the managerial search, uh, shakeups that are ha- going to be happening and have already started to happen in baseball operations. Uh, the Marlins have already let go of director of player op- of of player development. Uh, Jeff DeGroote, who was yep. basically oversaw everything on the minor league side. Yeah, these are the important and, changes, yeah. what you're talking and, about right now. As well as director of pro scouting, Hottie Rod, as well as five of their pro scouts. And right. Kim Anglin, we talked with her on, I believe it was either Friday or Saturday. All the days are a blur at this point. Uh, yeah, it was Friday. Uh, what day is it? Uh, yeah, she said that more changes are coming, which is to be expected. I'm Honestly, I'm expecting something, and this is just – from my observations of how the team has performed, I'm expecting something to happen probably in the analytics department. Uh, more, I would think more comes in the scouting departments in some way, shape, or form. And could see some things even higher up in the front office in some of these some of these VP type roles, some VP AGM type roles. Again, with at this point, after five years, I don't think anyone any I don't think anybody can truly say they're safe outside of Kim, who Bruce Sherman gave the Vote of confidence for to come for at least one more year. There, there is a, and I'll just say, I'll just say, phrase it this way: there is a not good enough problem, deep rooted, not good enough problem in this franchise in terms of talent acquisition, 
and evaluation. And I say not good enough because I don't want to say completely complete 100% fail because there have been here and there some successes in finding guys, whether it's through trade or through the drafts. But the majority, and it, and that's what reflects on the results that they've had, where changes are needed. And like you said, though, you named them all right now. That's Those are the big issues that I think have to be resolved, obviously, in, in, in this offseason, or else this is going to just stay in a rut the way it is. Yep. Yes, it is. And be able, we probably be talking about it a lot this offseason. And, of course, all the normal offseason stuff, arbitration, free agency, what the roster turnover will look like, and obviously, find bats. I feel like I've said this at this point last year. Find bats. Find bats, but you know, but find bats, but you yeah. can't neglect pitching either. No, because again, I I feel like I'm the you know I, you, we we both have talked about it. There, you can't sit on the pitching and say, oh yeah, we're fine. That constantly needs to be replenished, and I think it it's it's not again. I say again, it's not the depth is not as much. It's still it's still a deep staff, but it's not as much as it was before, and that in a blink of an eye could could get even worse. So, but yes, the bats, of course. I mean, that's we're, we're that, that's yesterday. <laughs> needed that yesterday. Needed that two years ago. Yep. At this point, and that's yep. where that not good enough acquisition and and development problem steps in. Correct. Yep. And with that, that's going to do it for us on this week's episode of Fish Bites. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. And we will touch base with all of you again this offseason. Thanks so much.